Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The Volume. Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are going to be continuing our NFL season previews starting with the NFC North, Logan. An open division, it feels like. Who do you have winning it this year? Definitely an open division, Carson. Uh, I have the Green Bay Packers, and tentatively right now I have them going 11-6. and six. We've mentioned this in every Whoa. single one of our previews thus far. Uh, these are subject to change. We need to have a balanced record. So uh, records that we give out uh, are subject to change. The rankings that these teams are in will not. So I have the Packers atop the division, and I know a lot of people are expecting a fair amount of turnover. I've heard people say the Lions are going to steamroll this division, that Minnesota's going to take over, that Justin Fields is due for an MVP caliber season. They're going to break out. But I really like the track record of Green Bay, and I really like the totality of their team. Uh, It's really going to come down to what we get out of Jordan Love. I obviously think that's the biggest swing thing here. But again, with the requisite talent that we have, Carson, I don't think Jordan Love has to wow us. I don't think he has to do extreme things for this team to win I think he can steer the ship I think he can manage the boat now maybe that's underwhelming because this is a guy entering year four you know what I mean like maybe people are expecting him he's been backing up uh Rodgers for so long like he needs to be a breakout star I don't think he has to I just think he has to not make mistakes he has to execute uh, in crucial situations and I think this team can be great behind him he's got the best running back duo in the league in my opinion Aaron Jones, again, over five yards per carry last season. You've got a tank of a man in A.J. Dillon behind him. That dude has some of the biggest quads I've ever seen, bro. Like, that dude is a he's a tank. He's a monster truck, man. Uh, for my money, I think they have the best running back duo in football. They've got solid weapons, Watson, Dobbs. And I think this is a top-10 offensive line coming back this year. David Bakhtiari uh, had an appendectomy in 2022, uh, so it, we'll see how he is if he's healthy this year. But he didn't allow a sack. He didn't allow a QB hit, only 10 hurries last year. I think this offensive line is going to be great. 
And call me crazy, Carson. Like, I don't think Love has to be great, but I think he can be comparable to what Rodgers did last season. Like, I don't think Rodgers was overwhelmingly dominant. Like, I think he can have a similar output in production to what Rodgers did. This was just the 24th uh, third down offense in football. I think Love can honestly improve upon that. And then in big situations, in big moments, like this is a team that lost six times by single digits last season. And a lot of that had to do with this offense not finishing drives. I mean, if Love can just... Uh, put this team in the end zone a little more, if he can convert on third down a little more, like Rodgers did not have crazy output last season. He didn't have a bunch of classic game-winning drives. I'm not saying I expect that from Love, but I think Love can be better in crucial situations, and I think he can be equal to what Rodgers did last season. Uh, This defense, I think, has top-tier talent. A lot of first-rounders everywhere. I think this is a solid pass rush. They were eighth uh, in third down uh, defense last season. Rashawn Gary had six sacks in nine games. I like the guys up front, Kenny Clark. Uh, they invest in the D-line once again. Luca Van Ness, personally, I thought Van Ness was like a late first round, early second round kind of guy. I don't know if he'll get burned a lot, but this is a lot of cumulative first round talent that's been accumulated on this uh, on this back line. So uh, I think the Packers have a really good defense. I don't think there's a lot of turnover with the offense, save the quarterback position. And I really like their secondary. Like Carson, I think this is a team that... Uh, can put pressure on the quarterback, can get stops, can be an elite defense. And then on the other end of the football, I think this can be an average offense. And I think that is enough to win a pretty, you know, mediocre division. I don't think there's one team that stands out over the top. So I understand if you don't believe in Jordan Love, if you don't think he's going to be great, I understand if you don't think the Packers are going to be great. But I trust Jordan Love. I think he's going to be at least good. And I think there's a ton of talent around him to where this isn't an abysmal situation where he has to exceed expectations for them to win games, right? I think that's the situation Justin Fields is in. I like Justin Fields a lot. That situation sucks. You know, I mean, he's going to have to be an MVP candidate for this team to have a chance at making the playoffs. I think Jordan Love can be mediocre, average to good. And I think this team can still win the division. So I have the Packers coming out atop the division. Uh, Are you in the same boat with me, Carson? I am not at all, actually. I have the Packers third in this division. And I do like Jordan Love. That's not necessarily my trepidation here. Now, I wouldn't expect him to be better than Rodgers, even though Rodgers was within the average range of starting quarterbacks last year. I don't know that Love in his first season as a starter is going to surpass that when I don't think that the weapons have improved. Maybe Christian Watson is a good bit better for the entirety of the season in year two, but you lose a dependable guy like Lazard, you lose Tanyan. I think that the receiving cores are going to be comparable. I'm just not as high on this defense as you are. And that's what really interests me is I think that they pretty significantly regressed last year and I do like the pass rush the combination of Smith and Gary and now adding Van Ness I think is pretty good and they were already eighth in pressure rate last year but overall I think that this run defense has struggled mightily for the last two years I don't see that getting better they were 28th in rushing yards allowed per attempt last year I really do not like the safeties here, which I think is a big reason that despite some pretty strong corner play, they were 26th in passing yards per attempt allowed last year. So I don't see enough significant personnel improvements to make me think this defense that was pretty clearly among like the eight worst in football last year is suddenly going to be the strength of this team that is going to propel them to win the division. 
I don't know, dude. I mean, I think that we're going to see a lot of guys get better this season. Uh, I buy into Kenny Clark anchoring this the interior of this D-line. I bank on this team getting better uh, at getting after the quarterback. Again, they've invested so much uh, in edge guys, on outside linebackers, on D-ends over the past few seasons. I just think we're going to see some guys pop. Their best edge rusher, Rashawn Gary, last season, you know, misses half of the year. Like, I do agree with you on this on the safeties part. I don't love the safeties here, but every other aspect of this defense I really do like, and I think we should see uh, improvement. Like, I don't know. Do you actually think this is one of the 10 worst defenses last season? I thought Green Bay was average to above average on that end at least. Like, I didn't think they were a flat-out bad defense. I think that they were a bad defense. I mean, I think that that's pretty much reflected across the board outside of, like, being good at getting off the field on third down and again, being relatively good at pressuring the quarterback. There's not a lot that they did well. And there's a reason that this was a thoroughly mediocre team, but I would say that they were better offensively than they were defensively, despite not being a particularly good offense. So that's why I'm not as high on their ceiling. I do not buy the defense nearly as much as you do offensively though. I do see some things that I like. And I think that Love is good. Obviously, we haven't seen a ton of him, but the start versus the Eagles last year, what we have seen in preseason, I have been legitimately impressed by, especially when you think about how far he's come since the one start that we saw from him in the 2021 season when he looked like he was sort of a mess. Obviously, big, he can move, he has a big arm. That was all of the intrigue coming out of Utah State, the raw athleticism that he possessed. But I think... He's a good thrower of the football in terms of his ability to throw with legitimate velocity and pace, but also touch. And I think his decision-making from what we've seen has been good. He is able to take the easy stuff to manage the game at a pretty high level. I don't expect him to be an above-average quarterback because I don't think that he has that sort of next-level pocket presence or necessarily athleticism and creation outside the pocket. I don't think he's like upper echelon in terms of accuracy but I think there's a lot of stuff that he does well and I think he's going to be a good starting quarterback in this league and will probably be within the range of average quarterback play this year but again this is an offense that was thoroughly average with Aaron Rodgers and if the weapons are Watson who I think is good but is relatively unproven as a number one Dobbs, who was very inconsistent last year. Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave, obviously coming in as rookies. We'll see what they're capable of. I think that there's upside there. It's a young, it's a talented group. But in terms of it all coming together this year, I think we should still limit our expectations to some extent. I think it's probably going to be a slightly below average passing attack. And then I just don't think the run game has been quite as dominant in recent years as it was back in like 2020 for example I don't think that the line is quite as imposing and of course a full season of Bakhtiari will be great but he did still play most of last season and it will be a good rushing attack but the production was really just above average last year they were 15th in yards they were 12th in yards per attempt so I don't see that as the sort of elite foundation that love is going to be able to lean on and I think that we saw that's part of why Rodgers wasn't able to reach the same elite level is the run game and how that empowered play action, how he was able to lean on them and not have to overexert himself for full drives. He didn't quite have that to rely on as much last year. So I like the future, 
But I look at a team that I see as being pretty mediocre on both sides of the ball right now. I actually have them at 7-10. and 10. I definitely considered 8-9. and nine. I just don't buy the defensive leap. And I think this would require a lot of Jordan Love, who even though I expect him to be solid, I don't want to be unreasonable in terms of expectations with him. What are what are reasonable expectations for Love? Like, I think top half of the league is a starter. Mm-hmm. I think seven to eight wins is a successful year. And I think it's about him executing in those big spots, Carson. It's like you talked about with Rodgers. The Packers' offense has been a run-first offense over the past few seasons. And Rodgers just didn't execute in the big moments. Now, it's a double-edged sword. It's like you mentioned. He couldn't lean on the run offense the way he could in years previous, but he also wasn't overwhelmingly great in those moments where he was making these classic Rodgers plays, right? That's why I think we can see tangible improvement out of the offense. I think the rushing attack can be better, and I think Jordan Love, if he can just execute on third downs and red zone scenarios, granted, right? That's how you win football games. That's like a stereotypical mantra of football. If you execute in the big moments, you're going to be better. I think that's how we can see tangible improvement out of the offense. But dude, I mean, I don't think, what, like 3,800 yards, 25 TDs, 10 picks. I think that's a successful year for Love. And I think that's within reason. What do you think? I think that's a really good year for him. And I don't think that that's totally unreasonable, but I think that that would be impressive. I think the key thing is going to be the consistency of his decision-making and not making mistakes because that felt like the biggest difference between what we saw in that 2021 start and the 2022 start. It was the ability to remain composed and to make consistent good decisions, which obviously is so pivotal to driving good offense. So in terms of production, yeah, I think that that would be a really, really good year. I don't think it's out of the question. I would probably go a little bit south of that in terms of my expectations but it is also worth noting that Jordan Love it feels strange because he's going into year four but he is still young he's only 24 which is pretty exceptionally young for a year four quarterback so I think he's gonna be a solid I don't know if I would call him a franchise guy because I think he's probably gonna fall into the tier that you're good to stick with for four or five years and then you get to the point where you're like all right let's see if we can actually get a real difference maker at the position he has that ceiling maybe but i do think he's going to be solid this year okay so you have the packers winning the division who do you have next i really took my time trying to figure out who i wanted at number two i i eventually went with uh the detroit lions uh, shout out to my boy Angelo, uh, one of my best friends from back home. He is super fired up about the Lions this year. He thinks that they are going to run away with the division. I'm optimistic, but it still is the Lions. I do believe in this offense, Carson. I think this offense is going to mm-hmm. be great again. They had the fourth-ranked overall offense last season, the fifth-ranked overall scoring offense, and they could just put up points in a barrage. Jared Goff looked awesome last year. Like Jared Goff had a career-revitalizing season where – You know, me and you were thinking, is this guy top 10? Is he top 15? He was legitimately great. And part of that was due to the offensive line. I think the Lions have hit a home run in their rebuilding project of this offensive line. Getting Sewell, Ragnall, Vitae, like, I buy in. I think that is, it's so important. I'm glad the Lions did their rebuild like this in terms of they went out, they built a team that was strong in the trenches 
And then they went out and they got a quarterback. They didn't do the Bears route. They didn't say, oh, who needs weapons? Who needs a team? Who needs an offensive line? We'll just go out and we'll get Justin Fields and he'll fix everything. Man, that's like trying to, you know, duct tape your boat back together, man. I know it works, but it's not really the most conducive thing to floating, right? Like it's... (laughs) If you've got Flex Seal, it works. If you've got Flex Seal, it is pretty effective, but the Bears have been working with that roll of duct tape for a minute. The Lions, on the other hand, decided we're going to go out and we're going to get some building materials and we're going to build a really solid foundation. So over the past few years, I've really loved what the Lions have done by investing in the trenches. I just think it's the most important aspect of a football team. So I buy into this offensive line. I buy into golf with a really solid offensive line. And I really do like these receivers. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is... Top 20 in the league. I know some people have argued he's top 10. He is a really special talent. I wouldn't go that far yet. Uh, I know Jamison Williams is scheduled to miss some time too, but I still buy into this offense. Uh, The defense is where I have reservations, and we're really going to need to see some improvement. I've really loved uh, the first-round rookie they got, Carson, the linebacker, Jack Campbell. I really like him. I hope he can be a difference maker from day one on the field. And I like the additions that they made in free agency. They bring in the Steelers slot corner, Cam Sutton. Uh, I didn't like Cam in his first two years in Pittsburgh. Over the past few seasons, Cam has really turned it around, been a big-time playmaker, uh, and been really good in man coverage and zone coverage. He's had a turnaround to where he is a dependable starting caliber corner. They get C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the Eagles, too, which I really like. It's just not like you know, overwhelming to the point where I'm like, man, this is going to be a great defense, right? I think the offense is still going to be great. I think the offense, the defense is probably still going to be bottom 10. And I just think that it's going to balance each other out a little bit. So I have the Lions with a winning, a winning record, Carson, nine and eight. I think they are making progress. Um, and I, I do like, I didn't even mention, like, I like Jameer Gibbs, too. I think he's going to have a big fantasy year, but mm-hmm. can he be as effective on the ground as Jamal Williams? I just don't know yet. So I buy into the explosivity of this offense. I like golf. I love the offensive line, and I like the weapons. The defense still, I just think, has room for improvement. They looked they looked a little better during the back half. You know, this is a Lions team that started out 1-6, and six, uh, I believe finished 8-2, and two, man. It was a crazy stretch that they end on, obviously beating the Packers uh, in that final week of the season. So I think the defense is going to be better, man, but I still think you're looking at a, at a bottom 10 unit. I just don't see enough guys that are either going to get better and I don't think they made enough moves in free agency to really take a massive leap to where I think they can win this division so I do have the Lions winning the division and I think that there is a pretty wide consensus that this is going to be a really good offense it was a top five scoring offense last season and I'm a little nervous about Goff replicating his production from last year just because he was so efficient. He was so turnover-averse, only seven picks all year. And he does historically have that propensity to make mistakes. We really saw it come out in his last couple years with the Rams. But we also know that with a great offensive coordinator and with really good weapons, he is capable of absolutely masquerading at least as a top 10 kind of quarterback in terms of production. (laughs) Look at 2017. Look at 2018. And look, man, I love Jared Goff, right? He's a Cal Bear. He's got a great personality. I think he's a funny, cool guy. But at the same time, when the situation is bad, Jared Goff is bad. But when the situation is good, Jared Goff is pretty good. And this is, as you mentioned, an elite offensive line. Goff had a sack percentage under four last year. I thought his pocket presence was also very good, complementing the strength of that line. Amon Ra, to me, is a 
good number one. I like Sam Laporta, who they bring in at the top of the second round as a replacement for Hawkinson at tight end. Big, strong Iowa tight end. Good hands. I think a high IQ route runner. Just a knack for getting open. And I think this receiver depth here is solid. In terms of the running back situation, I really like Jameer Gibbs. I think he is actually going to be a much better all-around running back than Jamal Williams, who I also love. Shout out, he's in our Nerd Sesh intro. He's the one who says the nerds is where it's at. Big anime guy. But I think that he is really most effective in those power back, goal line, short yard situations. He racked up the touchdown numbers. But all around... I think Gibbs' elusiveness, I think his high-end speed and his impact in the receiving game, he's just a much more complete, to me, better back. And then I also think you bring in David Montgomery, like, that's a good backfield overall. So I think the run game is going to be even better. I think the weapons in the receiving game are a little bit better with Gibbs, with Marvin Jones coming back. And with Ben Johnson calling plays, I just think it's a very good all-around offense. Where I am a little bit more optimistic than you is on the defensive end, where I still think they are flawed, but it's tough to overlook how much they trended in the right direction last year. In their 8-2 and two stretch to end the season, they allowed just 19.2 points per game after a like historically bad start to the year on defense. But this makes sense for a lot of reasons. They were starting four rookies and a few second-year guys, one of the youngest defenses in the league, point blank. The improvements they made in the secondary, adding Sutton and Gardner-Johnson and Mosley, I think that that is going to improve what was a pretty bad pass defense overall last year. Improved as it went along, but still 31st in terms of yards per pass attempt allowed. But what I really like here defensively is the ability to pressure the quarterback. They were already top 10 in pressure rate last year. I thought Aiden Hutchinson had a really strong rookie campaign, and I would expect to improve in year two. I think a full year of James Houston, who ended up being a diamond in the rough, came in, only played seven games, started two of them, but racked up eight sacks. I think with the natural progression that we see from these young guys, having already improved dramatically within last season and an offseason that I like adding some veteran presences, particularly in the secondary where they are very much needed. I think that this is a unit that is trending towards solid defensively, and I expect them to be in that range. And with a top five-ish offense... I think it's going to be a pretty darn good team that I expect to grasp a flawed division because I just think they're elite on one end of the ball. They're solid on the other. To me, nobody else in the NFC North can claim that, but I still don't see them as an elite football team because I do have too many questions about the defense. And it's tough for me to see the offense really getting better. Even though I like the weapons a bit more, I think they retained everything that they need to be really good again. Last year felt like best case scenario for Goff, and I don't think that we're going to see a steep drop-off, but I would be pretty surprised if he was better. So I have the Lions winning 10 games and taking this division. Yeah, I like that, and I definitely consider the the Lions uh, taking this division. I'm glad you mentioned uh, the dual ability of Jameer Gibbs, man. I think he could unlock a new realm you know, I think that's where I maybe see the offense not take a dramatic leap because, I mean, they were one of the best offenses in all of football last season. But to give a guy like Jared Goff, who last season didn't have that, you know, release valve mm-hmm. in the backfield where if the play breaks down, you do. Like, Jameer is... 
I don't want to compare him to like Le'Veon or something like that, but I really do think he's a special receiving talent man that opens up that area of the game. And they just didn't have that last year. I think that's the new um, the new attribute that this offense could really unlock for the rest of the season that could take them up even another level. So, honestly, I think my biggest yeah. thing against the Lions is just track record, bro, and why I picked against them. Like, I don't know if people know this. The Detroit Lions have never won the NFC North. The last time they won... Uh, their division. They were in the central division. So maybe that also plays into my <laughs> into my skepticism of the Lions this season. It's just franchise track record uh, because the Packers have been so dominant for so long. It, it would just be weird to see the Lions finally get this division, but I am optimistic and I think they're going to be a little better than next year. I'm hopeful though, man. I, I'd like to see the Lion, Lions fans to finally have something to to maybe be happy about, you know? Yeah, well, you can't have shit in Detroit, unfortunately. But it's a new era, man. It's the Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson, Jared Goff era. And I think that you make a great point about the value of a reliable receiving back, specifically for Goff, who, if he doesn't necessarily have those efficient checkdown options at time, can start to force the issue a bit more. And that's when the mistakes come into play. By far, the two best seasons of his career coincide with absolute peak Todd Gurley, who was one of the best receiving backs that we have ever seen when he was at the apex of his game. So I definitely think all the pieces are in place for this to be an elite offense again. But who do you have next in this division? Uh, at number three, I have the Minnesota Vikings. I have them going eight and nine. And I just have a few big questions uh, about this team. I think the one constant that we're going to get is uh, I think the offense is going to be good again. Kirk Cousins and George, uh, Justin Jefferson have shown us what they can do. I mean, Justin Jefferson is by far the best receiver, I think, in football. Maybe not by far. A healthy Cooper Cup, I think, is very close. I think Devontae Adams, uh, the wide receiver position is just loaded nowadays. But for my money, I'd probably put Justin Jefferson number one. I, he's the complete package, man. Hands, <laughs> Route running is impeccable, man. The way he can fake DBs with his shoulders. Uh, I, I love Jettas, and I think this offense is going to be great on the back of his shoulders. Now, I know what Kirk Cousins is. Uh, I know what Kirk Cousins is not. Uh, Kirk Cousins is not a game changer. You know, he's <laughs> he's the equator, man. He's right in the middle. Uh, Kirk Cousins is the equator, dude. He is. He's going to keep you afloat. He can make you great if you got great things around him. He can keep you average if you got average pieces around him. I know what Kirk is. My real reservation about this team, because they lose a lot of veteran pieces. That's the big thing about this Vikings turnover from last season. They lose Dalvin Cook. Well, I think Alex Madison is going to be fine. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, Vikings fans have been hyping him up for a long time. But you've got a lot of turnover with veteran pieces who have been staples of the Vikings for you know the past decade. Adam Thielen is gone. Eric Kendricks is gone. Patrick Peterson is gone. Zedarius Smith is gone. So... There's a lot of turnover defensively. There's a lot of turnover with veterans. This was not a great defense last year. They were 28th in points. They were 31st in yards allowed. They add in Brian Flores, and I think that is a huge get for Minnesota. Flores, I cannot stress how much better he made the Steelers' defense last year. Flores stepped in. We were going to be a great defense. I mean, he really coached up our linebackers, and he's a brilliant defensive mind. That helps, right? I mean, Brian Flores calling play. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Plays and being your guy on the defensive side of the ball really does help. It doesn't make up for a massive talent deficit, which I just think this Minnesota Vikings defense is at and so kind of like Detroit I do think it cancels out a little bit in where I think this Vikings offense can reach great heights I think they can put up you know 25 plus points a game but I think the defense might give it right back and that's why I project this team going eight and nine they get Jordan Addison in the draft too I think that's a huge get but when your offensive line is mediocre when you have Kirk Cousins at quarterback when you have a really poor defense that I just don't think can take a jump because they're missing pieces I just don't see this team being dominant enough to win this division I just I just don't see that path I this division isn't great but I just don't think the Vikings are great either I think this is a pretty mid team so I have the Vikings going eight and nine and yeah man I just really do I like the Packers and the Lions just just a lot more because of how bad this defense is well, you mentioned that they're going to go out there and put up their 25 a game, but they're going to let up their 25 a game. That's literally exactly what happened last year. This was a thoroughly average team pretending to be an elite one, and I maintained this throughout the home stretch of last season. This was nowhere near a 13-win football team in terms of how good they actually were. They had a negative point differential. They were flat out one of the worst defenses in the league. They were 23rd in pressure rate, did not do a good job of getting after the quarterback. Now they lose their best pass rusher in Zadarius Smith. They were 30th in passing yards per attempt allowed. It was a brutal secondary. Now they lose probably the best member of that secondary in Patrick Peterson. They were 22nd in rushing yards per attempt allowed. Just in no way was this even an average defense last year. And I think that we saw that get exposed. Like, their path to 13 wins was so strange. That Bills game was such an anomaly. I don't want to revisit it. The Colts game was such an anomaly. I mean, it was just eight fourth quarter comebacks, right? Eight game winning drives from Kirk O'Chains. That's super fun and cool. But people always seem to like 
say, well, all that matters at the end of the day is how many games you win, but there are other indicators of how good of a football team you actually are. And if the Minnesota Vikings were as good of a football team as some people tried to maintain, they wouldn't have been blown out in most of their losses, and they wouldn't have lost to the thoroughly mediocre Giants in the first round of the playoffs, who then went on and got embarrassed by the Eagles because they just weren't very good either. So, that's kind of the standpoint we need to come at this from. This is not, oh my God, shocking regression from a 13-win team. It's a team that should have won eight or nine games last year that is probably going to be in a similar range this year. So you mentioned some of the losses on the defense. They did prioritize trying to rebuild that secondary. They add Byron Murphy, which is solid. They pick up corners in the third and fourth round. They did add Marcus Davenport obviously after losing Zedarius Smith, but he just had his least effective pass rushing season of his career. Just half a sack in 15 games, a 50% drop off in pressure rate from the previous season. They lose Dalvin Tomlinson. They lose Kendricks, as you mentioned. So bringing in Brian Flores, I like, but this talent to me was already bad and it is not trending in the right direction. So I think this is again going to be a bad defense, which is inarguably what it was last year, the number 28 scoring defense in all of football. But offensively, they are going to offset that by being almost equally good as they are bad defensively. I do think it's worth noting that despite the eight game-winning drives, Kirk did not have a great year by his standards. It was his worst season as a starter in terms of yards per attempt. It was the most picks that he's thrown, and he did just sort of carry a heavier load overall offensively because they weren't able to lean on the run game as much with some of the regression of Dalvin and I think with some of the regression of the line. But that is worth noting to me. That run game that a few years ago was elite was 27th in yards and 26th in yards per attempt last year. But still, I do think the line is good. I do think Kirk is pretty good. You call him the equator. I would say he's a bit north of the equator, but not significantly. But I do love the weapons in terms of the passing game. I think Jordan Addison is going to be a dynamic introduction as a rookie. Jettis is unbelievable. Hawkinson, Osborne. It's a it's a really good collection of offensive talent. And I agree with you. To me, the Dalvin to Madison transition doesn't matter. We had already seen regression from Dalvin. This wasn't a good rushing attack last year. I think if anything, it might improve a bit this year, but is that offensive talent enough to overcome a flat out bad defense to me, not in a way that leads to 10 plus wins, not to the extent of a really fluky 13 win campaign like last year. So I do have them edging out the Packers just because I, I, that, that offensive foundation, chill, chill. That offensive foundation to me is so reliable. Like, I don't see how this isn't a very good offense. I don't think Kirk is going to meaningfully drop off a cliff, and that's what would have to happen. But I see very little upside with this defense. So I think that that's where they belong. They should be definitely in conversations with the middle of the pack teams this year, not the elite teams that they pretended to belong among last year. So. Looks like we both have Dub Bears last here, Logan. You've done already a couple of jabs at them in this episode, some shots at some incompetent team building. I actually think they're trending in the right direction. I like this offseason for them. They just have a far way to climb from three wins last year. But why are they last for you? Uh, I'll get into that. I got one more stat about the Vikings, Carson. I got my sure. stats team on it. 
They're the only 13-win team in NFL history to have a negative point differential. The only mm-hmm. one ever, unsurprisingly. Uh, number two on that list, uh, I don't know how you guys could forget, the 1925 Frankfurt uh, Yellow Jackets. They had a point differential of 21. They won 13 games. Those fraudulent yeah. bastards, you know, man, those bums. And those guys actually then, they got lost in the woods in Ontario, Canada, and they all turned into cannibals. And then 25 years later, they made a Showtime program about them. Yeah, dude, I wrote about that in the paper last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I don't think the Bears are going to be great, man. And it starts with evaluating Justin Fields. It's so hard to me to determine. It's so hard to separate like a guy from his situation because – he had a he had a thousand rushing yards last season. I mean, the second most rushing yards in a single season by a QB ever. But he throws for just over twenty two hundred passing yards. He's five and twenty across two seasons. And I mean, the, the guys around him have just sucked. Like a, a bottom ten offensive line last season. I mean, horrible. He's always under pressure. He's always running for his life. I think they did mean uh, make some meaningful additions there. They draft tackle Darnell Wright. They signed guard Nate Davis over from Tennessee. I think those are legit additions. He also has had limited weapons his entire time here. Now he's got DJ Moore. He's got Darnell Mooney. He's got a top five wideout in Chase Claypool. He's got Cole Komet. He's got Khalil Herbert. Like, I really do like the weapons around him. And obviously I'm saying that about Claypool facetiously, man. He's nowhere close, bro. Claypool's all right. To me, I just don't see it, Carson. I think this team wins like four to five games, man. I I don't know. Like some people are projecting a a Justin Fields like MVP season. I think Fields is going to get a little better, and I think he's going to be really dynamic on the ground. But he's not going to have a whole lot of time to throw in the pocket. I don't think the O line has improved like that. I think he's going to be better through the air because of his um, passing weapons. But he's still a little inaccurate. He's still a little jumpy when pressure gets home to him in the pocket. He's still a little hitchy and hesitant when he's delivering balls. There's still reservations I have about Fields as a straight-up pocket passer. I still don't love the situation around him. And then defensively, like, this pass rush blows. That's what makes great pass rush or great defenses great is guys who can get pressure, guys who can get home and stifle that quarterback. They were second-to-last in pressure rate last season. I don't think they made any meaningful additions there like, dude, rookie safety Jaquan Brisker, who I love, I think he's going to be great this season, led the Bears in sacks last year with four. So I, I just don't see the I just don't see the dramatic improvement this season. I know a lot of people have been taking them worst to first. I just don't see it. Like you, Carson, I think this is a team that is trending in the right direction. They made a lot of good moves to get tangibly better this season. I just don't think it's going to directly translate to wins in their record. So... I have the Bears pulling up the rear here in the NFC North, and right now I have them winning five games. So I think that you make some fair points when you're talking about Fields' limitations. Like, we can't overlook the fact that the Bears threw for 2,200 yards last year, which is almost 500 behind the Falcons, who were the next worst with very limited quarterback play and the most run heavy approach in the entire league. The bears were still a class below them in terms of passing production and fields had the fourth longest time to throw on average of any qualified quarterback 3.12 seconds, not great weapons at all last year. 
And I do think it's worth noting that he's incredible extending plays. And so that will prolong the average time to throw a lot. I do still think he needs to get better in terms of making quick decisions from the pocket. And he does have this tendency to just sprint back, sprint back when the pressure comes until he's like 12 or more yards behind the line of scrimmage. And that's a reason that he led the league in sacks taken last year with 55 there are definitely concerns in terms of polish there. And there are some bad tendencies. At the same time, his athleticism makes up for so, so much. There are so many broken plays where dudes just can't cover for six or seven seconds and somebody gets open and Fields is able to make that throw. Or where he is just so exceptionally elusive, like only in a tier with Lamar in terms of his shiftiness and speed from the quarterback position, that he is able to make something out of nothing consistently. Like, I think about the Lions game last year. There's a horrible moment where he throws a pick six. And then one of the opening plays of the next drive, he busts out a 70-yard rushing touchdown. There's a lot of bad, but there's a lot of really exceptional And there's no question to me that he's going to have a better season. Like, first of all, he's a young quarterback. He's going to continue to develop naturally. But DJ Moore is a legit number one to elevate him. Like, last year, didn't have Claypool until midseason. And he kind of sucked once they got there. And Mooney had a down year. I expect him to be a bit better this year. They add Tunyon as a big target who we can rely on. Like it was just such a limited offense in every way last year. The line will be better, as you mentioned, bringing in Darnell Wright. So I think they have their priorities in order. I think they have put Justin Fields in a position to where I would think he'll be an above average starting quarterback this year. Not an above average thrower of the football. I do think that his decision making, his accuracy, his arm talent, they're all a bit underwhelming. But his overall offensive impact is so pronounced because the dude averaged 95 rushing yards per game for the last 10 weeks that he played in, Logan. That's a 1,600-plus yard rushing pace from a quarterback. And so this was the number one rushing offense in terms of yards and yards per attempt. I mean, he is having that Lamar Jackson impact on the ground. He's just not there as a passer yet. But he also had horrible weapons, and I think he will certainly take strides as a passer this year because of the improved situation around him. So I like Fields. I think Fields is good, and I think this is going to be a step forward for him. But I also am not super high on the defense, and it's worth noting how terrible they were last year. They were last in terms of yards per pass attempt allowed. They were 31st in rushing yards allowed and 27th in yards per rushing attempt So that is a long way to climb. Like they were very arguably the worst defense in football last year. They do make some additions up front. I think that was a real priority. Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings. They bring in Dexter Sr. and Pickens in the first three rounds of the draft. They add Rasheem Green. I think their run defense is going to improve because of that. But I do still think they have big problems generating pressure. As you mentioned, 31st in pressure rate, dead last in sacks. And most of their additions are interior guys who I do expect to clog things up more for the run game. But it's like, is Rasheem Green really going to change the dynamics of your pass rush? Not by a lot, I wouldn't expect. But there are significant improvements elsewhere in this defense. Like, I think in terms of coverage from linebackers, they're going to be among the best teams in the league this year. I think Tremaine Edmonds, former Bill, of course, really progressed is one of the better in the league there for sure. And I think TJ Edwards is 
pretty legit there as well. So I think that they've added talent. They're going to be better against the run. I think their coverage is going to be better. But like you said, they're still fundamentally devoid of dynamic pass rushing talent, which is like the most important foundation for a really good defense. So I think it's a below average defense. But I think the offense is going to be pushing into that average range because the run game is going to be so dominant. And the pass game, to me, is not going to be like head and shoulders below the rest of the league like it was last year. So I have them at 6-11. and 11. I can see the worst to first path, but to me it requires a big Justin Fields leap, like what you're talking about towards he's clearly a top 10 quarterback. Maybe he is in those MVP conversations. I don't quite see that from him yet. And I think the defense would have to take a leap that I don't see given the lack of a pass rush. So I can't totally buy in, but I definitely think the Bears are going to be better. And I like the pieces that they're putting together for their future. Yeah, and hopefully we continue to see like real improvement from the guys in the secondary too. I think you point out some important additions on defense, the linebacker play, of course. Yeah, like I like certain guys, but the pass rush really is the bottom line for me, man. I don't know who's putting pressure on the QB this year. Like uh, Jalen Johnson has looked good in moments. Eddie Jackson too. Uh, Like I like the brisker there. Like I like the secondary. I like the linebacker play, but yeah, I really do draw the line. I don't know if there's a plus pass rusher on this entire defense, and that's the most important part of a defense to me, too. So I think that's probably the limiting factor. <sighs> Worst of first, man, would actually blow me away, Carson. I don't see that path. I don't know if Fields has that leap to take in him, man. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy to me. I just I don't see that happening. I agree, but I also think it's tough to overstate how historically great of a rushing threat he is and how awful his situation was last year. I agree. I think it's very ambitious to expect. And I think that there's just a different level of talent when you're looking at the top two teams in this division. For me, I think the Packers are clearly more talented as well. There's a path, but I think it's a pretty slim one. All right. Let's talk about the NFC South, Logan which I think is in position to be one of the worst divisions in memory. Obviously, last year was bad. I think that this year could be even worse. Who do you have on top? I mean, Carson, you think about the worst divisions in football history. The NFC South year to year turning out, uh, because they've been in the same boat before. The NFC least uh, for a while, uh, that horrid nfc west where i think the seahawks won it it's seven games this nfc south is shaping up to be right there with them as i think one of the worst divisions maybe ever like it starts with qb play i don't know how much i believe in any of these quarterbacks and we're gonna start out with my number one team it really comes down to how much you believe in the qb uh tied for the same record as my number two team at nine and eight i have the tampa bay buccaneers and i made this pick i'm going to stick to it The offensive line really worries me, especially with the Ryan Jensen injury. Jensen missed, uh, he was on IR last year. Uh, Apparently he's going to miss the entire season this year. This is not a good offensive line, man. That's what really scares me. This was the number 32 ranked rushing offense last season. Rashad White, I I really expected a breakout from him. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. This is one of the worst offensive lines in football, and it makes me worry about Baker Mayfield. 
He was in a bad situation in Carolina. He looked good in L.A. But I buy into Baker, and I buy into these weapons. That's why I can at least see, with a poor offensive line, I can see this offense being great. Because they have Rashad White, I think he's one of the most explosive and dynamic backs uh, I've ever seen. I think he also brings something in the receiving game. Again, it's going to require the offensive line getting pushed for him to dominate on the ground, but I think he's got dual threat ability and can help take some pressure off of Baker in the passing game. You bring back Mike Evans, you bring back Chris Godwin, and I think this offense could be pretty good. Now, they were the number two passing offense in football. I don't think Baker's doing that this year, but again, if Rashad White progresses, I think this can be a good offense. Defensively, this was a good defense last year. I think that was kind of understated. I think people were talking about them taking a step back. I mean, they just dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Shaq Barrett was injured from week nine and on. He's a game-changing presence uh, as a pass rusher. I mean, with him back, I think that takes them up a notch. They are aging. Uh, A lot of guys in their secondary dealt with injuries too. But, you know, I think Tampa Bay can have a top-tier rushing defense. I think they can have a great passing, uh, great pass rush. I think they are great situationally getting teams off of the field. And so I really buy into this defense being great. It's really what we get out of Baker at the QB position. I just buy in. You know, Baker's dealt with shoulder injuries in the past. He was in a really bad situation last season in Carolina, which I think was kind of overblown. The Browns just kind of quit on him. I think with health, I like Baker, man. I'm not saying that he's like a... I don't even know if I'd call Baker an above-average QB, but I buy into the dog aspect of him. I buy him, buy into him not making too many mistakes, and I buy into his health. So I don't think this is a great offensive situation, specifically the line in front of Baker. They really do worry me a lot, but I buy into this defense, and I think they have playmakers on the offensive end where they can elevate Baker. This is not a great division. I honestly didn't want to take any winners, and I think the number two team in this division could push Tampa Bay legitimately. I really like the talent on my number two team, Uh, but I made this prediction earlier before the Jensen injury, and I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm riding with you, Baker. I need you to see. I need you to take Tampa Bay to number one in this division. So, uh, against all odds, I'm I'm taking Baker to win this division. Giddy up, buddy! I have the Bucks winning four games, and uh, <laughs> I think this what? is a pretty wild pick, dude. I think the Bucks are going to suck, and I think it's just worth emphasizing how much they simply stayed alive last year because of that overwhelming reliance on the passing game and Brady still being solid like of course he had lost some arm talent and he regressed last year but without his quick decision making and ability to still get the ball to his weapons efficiently you put Baker in a situation like this I think it's gonna be ugly man this running game was atrocious last year last in yards last in touchdowns, last in yards per attempt. And I like Rashad White a lot. I covered ASU football for the entire 2021 season when he was like probably their best player. I think he's a very good receiving back and the sort of dude who with his shiftiness, you get him the ball in space, he can go to work. I don't think though that he is the sort of overly physical between the tackles runner that is going to carry an offensive load all around, especially with an interior offensive line that I think has some real questions. And he wasn't very efficient last year, 3.7 yards per attempt. I also don't think that they have a good short yardage back who can make up for some of White's limitations. So I do not like the run game. 
And I think that historically, when we have seen Baker play well, when Baker has looked like a starting NFL quarterback, and there have been times where he's looked better than that, it has been when you can run the ball down the other team's throat. Like you look at Cleveland, the 11-win season, elite offensive line, elite run game, the best in football outside of the Ravens for whom the quarterback was a huge component in that equation. So in terms of traditional run game, probably the best in football. And then you can set up the play action. You can give Baker time if you have a creative OC. Like basically you need to set up everything for him. And when he doesn't have those things going for him, I think he's a mediocre arm talent who is prone to forcing the issue, which is when he starts to make mistakes. I think he takes a lot of sacks. I don't really like his pocket presence. I just don't think Baker's good. And I think if he hadn't been in a very privileged situation like Cleveland, where he was able to drum up some excitement, and if he hadn't been a number one overall pick, I don't know. Maybe he'd still be getting a crack at a starting job because Tampa's options are not good. But Baker, to me, is certainly going to be one of the handful of worst starters in the league having to overcome a not good running game, a line that I think has major questions with the Jensen injury, bringing in new starters this year. Worfs is having to switch sides on the line. I think even though I really like Evans and Godwin still, Evans is aging. He's not going to take a step forward. They didn't really add receiving weapons. I don't like the depth of the receiver's This, to me, is just a bad offense. I don't know if you can point at a position group outside of the receivers where they're league average. And I don't think the receivers are dominant enough to make up for all of those massive, massive limitations. And then defensively, I think we've seen real regression from the elite Tampa defenses of a couple years ago. Part of that is personnel departures. If you're thinking about the Super Bowl defense, of course, it's a pretty different Core, there's a lot of the same pieces, but you don't have Ndamukong Sue. You don't have Jason Pierre-Paul, guys who are playing at a really high level, who were fundamental to a great pass rush and a great run defense. Both those things have dropped off. This was an average pass rush last year, 16th in pressure rate, and it was an average run defense, 19th in yards per attempt allowed. So the Bucks did a good job of retaining talent from last year, bringing back LaDonte David and Jamel Dean in free agency. But I don't view this as an upper echelon defense anymore I don't think it was that last year and if you're going to be solid defensively and to me awful offensively you're not going to win a lot of football games so I know that you have this belief in Baker but I don't really understand it because I don't think he's proven himself in suboptimal situations whatsoever like he was so bad in Carolina last year Sam Darnold was flat out clearly way better than him Everybody would have been better. Sam Darnold was better Carolina, than him, bro. though. Logan and Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold sucked last year, too. But he was what are we better doing? than Baker What Mayfield. are we? They both sucked. They both sucked. There are levels of doing? suck, my friend. There are extents. Hey, hey, yo. Hey, yo. All I'm saying Look, is man. Sam Darnold went into a quarterback battle this year, expected to be the third stringer, and good for him. He won the backup job because Trey Lance is really bad. But what are you expecting from Baker? Is Baker going to be... A close to average starting quarterback in your eyes? Baker's got that dog in him. He's going to walk in there. He's going to plant the flag at the middle of the field. Because he did some State Farm commercials? Yeah, he's going to win 12 games. Hulu has live sports. And he's going to take them to the Super Bowl. Come on, man. Look, 
Yeah, I do. It's it's a blind faith in Baker kind of bet. But I also, I think you're underselling the defense. I think this is going to be a legitimately good defense next year. Vita Vea is going to lead this unit into being a really solid run-stopping uh, group up front. Uh, they draft Kalijah Kansi. I think he's going to be great up front alongside Vita Vea. Levante David kind of sucks now. He's getting older, but I still like this linebacking group. Shaq Barrett is going to be healthy for a full year, which I really think bolsters this pass rush. And then every one of their corners and defensive backs last year dealt with injuries and time off. If they can just stay healthy, I think that's an above-average group there. So... I think they're going to be a really good run-stopping unit. I think they're finally going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback again. I think their linebackers are going to be solid, and I think the secondary is going to be solid. So I think this is a fringe top-10 defense with a, a league-average offense, but I think Baker's going to be I think Baker's going to be solid. I think Baker can do enough. Uh, I might, I do. I feel like the only Baker Mayfield supporter on the planet now, man. What what happened, dude? I mean, mm-hmm. like. He was in a he was in the worst situation in the world in Carolina. He fucked up his throwing shoulder, was hurt. Like, I don't know, man. Are we not gonna cut him any slack at all? I get he was in a very privileged situation in Cleveland. You're exactly right. Two top-notch great receivers, a good tight end, a great offensive line, a great running game. I get that he had all that going for him, but like, are we not gonna acknowledge that he's been struggling with bad situations with a shoulder injury? And like he looked horrible in Carolina. I thought he looked pretty good in Los Angeles. Like, I thought he had some big moments. I mean, that game against the Raiders, granted the Raiders were choking against everybody, I thought he looked all right in L.A. So, yeah, I'm buying a little bit in on the Baker on the Baker bounce-back season, man. I just think, first of all, he had a full season as a starter where he sucked in a good situation. 2021, he With still Cleveland, had a dominant He was hurt. Game. He still had a great line. Look, man. I don't know where you're getting all this Baker Mayfield Kool-Aid from, but this is not just asking him to execute in good situations. He's going to have to overcome the situation, dude. He is going to have to show a level of pocket poise, of creation with his athleticism, of high-level throwing, limiting mistakes that we've just flat out never seen from him before if this is going to be even an average offense like what is the foundation of this offense logan with a rapidly regressing and i would say now below average line with what was the worst run game in football last year baker's got to be good he has to be actively good and i don't think we Mm -hmm. have any reason to expect that (laughs) i'm in I got my chips. I bought in. I'm at the table, and I'm betting on. I'm betting on that pewter brown man. I'm betting on Baker. Give me Baker, bro. He's been my guy. So I want him. They're gonna win more games than last year. Why? Well, because Baker's better than Tom Brady, obviously. <laughs> I, I mean, I just. I mean, I just think the defense was so beat up last season. Like, I just think that really took them down a notch. This is supposed to be an elite defense. Like, they were hurt last year. I think that with health, with the addition of Cansey, uh, with the return of Shaq Barrett, I think this is going to be a really great defense. So, it's not just a Baker thing, and I get it. I, I don't think this is a great offensive situation, but I think he's good enough. Do you have the, so the Bucks are, do you have the Bucks below the Panthers? Yeah, I think the Bucks suck, but wow. this defense wasn't really that hurt last year dude like Shaq Barrett missed half the year and like Antoine Winfield Jr. missed a few games but 
I think you're overstating that for the reason behind their defensive drop-off versus like meaningful personnel losses and just natural regression with a pretty old defense overall. But hey, man, you have the Bucks going 16-1. and That's fine by me. Ride the Baker train all the way to the bank, dude. Okay, who do you have right behind the dominant Bucks this year? So same record. I have both these teams going nine and eight, and I definitely considered this team at number one. Uh, that's the Atlanta Falcons, and they have a huge question mark at quarterback, and that is what is Desmond Ritter? Well, my answer to that is, I don't know. I don't really think it matters. I buy into <laughs> everything else other than Ritter. No, if I'm being honest, they had the number one rushing attack in uh, 2022. Arthur Smith has done a tremendous job of running the ball down teams' throats. This zone rushing attack has been dominant. I think this is a top 10 offensive line. I really love Caleb McGarry, uh, how he's turned it around in Atlanta. I think Chris Lindstrom is one of the best flat-out guards in all of football. For my money, the best run-blocking guard in football. And I think it's a loaded weapon group. Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. I mean, they're stacked. And so, I mean, I just think that if Desmond Ritter can steer the ship, man, if he can just not screw up, I think this could be a great offense, legitimately. I mean, I don't think Ritter has to be great for this offense to be great. And then defensively, this team sucked last year. They were 31st in sacks. They had 21 total last year. They were 32nd, bottom last in pressure rate by far. But they made a lot of moves that I really like, man. They bring in Jesse Bates. Uh, they give up very little capital for Jeff Okuda. And I think A.J. Terrell and Okuda, they've had their ups and downs. If they reach their apex, this could be a great secondary with Okuda, with Terrell, with Jesse Bates. Uh, they bring in Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, Bud Dupree, Grady Jarrett comes back. Like, I really like this defensive front with Onyemata, with Jarrett, with Calais Campbell. Um, I, I'm not a big Bud Dupree guy. I never have been, ha having watched him for four-plus seasons in Pittsburgh. I always just thought he was kind of the beneficiary of playing on the other side of T.J. Watt, him and his little spin move. Bud's a serviceable edge rusher but I put him like his kind of like Jadavian Clowney is where I put him if you put him alongside a dominant other edge rusher I think he can eat but he's not game changing so I don't think he single-handedly transforms the pass rush and I think they need to get better there but I think this defensive line is going to be great I think the secondary is going to make really major improvements and I think the offense has a ton of weapons and a really good offensive line and a really good scheme uh, behind a brilliant offensive mind so I think you're looking at uh, a team that should be pretty good on both ends of the football. And I just really love, like, this This could be an explosive offense, Carson, regardless of if Ritter's hitting these, you know, downfield bombs for 30 for 40 yards. You don't need that. You have so many playmakers who can just create in space, out of drags, off slants, off screens, off little actions that you can set up for them that I don't think Ritter has to be a, a big-time playmaker. Obviously, if Ritter is great, I mean, this takes this team up an entirely other level. They could be the best team in this division by far. I'm not expecting that. I expect Ritter to be kind of average. But I've liked what I've seen out of him. I love the weapons. I love the offensive line. And I think the defense is primed to make real strides next season instead of regressing. So, uh, same record as the Bucks. I have them going 9-8. and eight. I'm interested that you have two teams above 500 in this division. And I'm going to be honest, Logan, I think you are going to have to recalibrate some of your win totals. Cause oh, for sure. I think for I'm sure. Gonna, I think I'm pretty much going to make the league 500. I really like the pace that I'm on right now with my predictions. The league is actually below 500 for me going into the last two divisions, which is good because they're pretty strong divisions. But 
I have the Falcons atop the NFC South, winning just eight games, though. And the biggest question to to me... Yeah, I think we'll see it back-to-back, dude. I think this is, like, one of the worst divisions ever. But they do have the highest ceiling because they're the most talented team. And this is a really good all-line, as you mentioned. The receiving weapons, like, maybe they aren't the most established, but London and Pitts, I think, are both crazy impressive athletes. Big, athletic weapons. And then the run game was absolutely elite last year, like you said. And when you add B. John Robinson, I mean, it's going to be one of the most dominant ground attacks there is, no question. I'm just not at all sold on Ritter. I think he is really limited. I thought he looked good versus Tampa in Week 18 last year. I think that he is relatively good at extending plays, but not like a high-end trait there necessarily. He managed not to throw a pick in his four starts last year, which I thought was really surprising given major accuracy issues to me and some questionable decision-making, throwing some real sketchy balls and forcing the issue a bit. But he was able to not hurt them actively a ton, and he's able to go two and two as a starter. I do not like him. I think he is a a (laughs) pretty much bottom-tier starting quarterback. I don't think he is at all a long-term solution. But with a really good offensive mind and with really good offensive talent everywhere else, can they be solid offensively? I think so. It scares me to be that actively limited at the quarterback position in today's NFL. But they were able to be solid offensively last year. And I don't know that Mariota was meaningfully better than Ritter at all. And Ritter may be a bit better this year with more experience, although I didn't love preseason. I thought that he did a good job of taking the easy stuff and getting the ball to his weapons in space, which is what he's going to be asked to do this year. But then defensively, I agree with you. I mean, there's significant improvements. Like the D-line additions are meaningful. Dupree, Campbell, Onyemata, they're all good pickups. I do want to note that none of them are coming off of their best seasons. You're not getting any of these guys at like their apex values to me, but it's nevertheless an improvement for a team that was dead last in pressure rate last year and needs that to improve significantly. I think it will. And they add an elite safety in Jesse Bates. So I think that now you've got a couple of stellar pieces in that secondary. They were 29th in yards per pass attempt last year. I think that'll improve and move towards mediocrity at the very least. So, This team found a way to win seven games last year. And I think maintaining like all of their most important pieces, adding some defensive talent, adding B. John Robinson, giving another year of development to Ritter. It's hard to see them really regressing. And I think they were one of the weaker seven win teams last year, but I expect them to take a step forward. Somebody's got to win this terrible division. I considered giving the edge to another team just because I trust their quarterback play clearly the most in this division which could be a decider sometimes when everybody sucks it's just who can put together composed drives when it matters who can you lean on but this is the most talented team in the division and i'm going to bet on them because of that especially when i think that they're well coached too so who do you have third here logan witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The one gentleman I do not trust to lead uh, <laughs> methodical drives down the field in big scenarios is Derek Carr. And that's why the New Orleans Saints come in at number three for me. I don't know, man. I, I've defended Carr for a while. Last year really left a sour taste in my mouth and just really made me think about the long-term aspects of Carr and, you know, what I think about him. I, he had two really bad picks in that Pittsburgh Steelers game down the stretch that just cost them. I mean, the Raiders had that game won. He single-handedly lost it for them. And there were a lot of other scenarios where late in games, they need a drive. They need a big play. Carr comes up with a pick. He had 14 last year. That's a career high for Derek Carr. 3,500 yards, 24 TDs. And he does this with, I mean, maybe the two best position players in all of football last year, uh, Adams and Jacobs. Now, I don't want to put all of the losses on Derek Carr, right? I don't want to put the sole reason that they go 6-11 and on Derek. Obviously, a big part of that is because the Raiders had one of the worst defenses in football last year. So... He goes from having maybe the best receiver and running back duo in football to Kamara, Thomas, Olave. Like, I don't know, Carson, maybe if this was 2018, I'd pick the Saints to the Super Bowl, you know? It's not. If Chris Olave I don't was think Derek, 17? <laughs> I mean, Chris Olave is really cool. Chris Olave is a beast. I'm not really sold on Thomas and Kamara being convincingly dominant again this season. I'm not buying in on Derek Carr being great again this year, right? I think last year is showed us real cause for concern in Carr in terms of dealing with pressure, in terms of evading sacks, in terms of pocket awareness, which I've always had an issue with. God, man, Carr's like, Carr's oblivious back there when dealing with pressure. And then you just compound the fact that he is getting older, he was a little more jittery back there, he was ready to throw balls into coverage. So I think Carr may be taking a step back this season, although I think the situation uh, around him is probably comparable. But again, you're losing those major skill uh, skill players. Kamara's going to have a three-game suspension. I think he's taking a step back. Michael Thomas, is he going to play? We don't know every year. 
has taken, I think, a meaningful mm-hmm. step back. Olave's a beast, don't get me wrong. Uh, and Jamal Williams is cool to have there is a, you know, for those first three games and a change of pace uh, back should helpfully help keep Kamara healthy throughout the season so they can trade off. But along with that offense getting, you know, getting older, potentially regressing, I think that's the same case for the defense, man. This is an aging defense and just an aging team. Cam Jordan is going to be 34. Demario Davis is going to be 35. Tyran Matthew, Bradley uh, Roby, impact defenders are getting older. So this is kind of just a projection. I just think the Saints are kind of headed to the where they're going to regress a little bit because they're getting older. Now, I do want to point out, if this defense can hold up to the standard that they did last year, and if Carr can maximize these weapons, if he can get them to league average, I think they could definitely win this division to make the playoffs. Their final eight opponents, they held to 20 points or less. Like, if the defense can do that consistently on a week-to-week basis, that's three tutties. That's... Three tutties. That is not hard. I mean, I think that if the defense can reach that level again next year, top 10, fringe top 10 status, I think the Saints could be a playoff contender. But I'm expecting meaningful regression across the board, defensively and offensively. That is why I'm out on the Saints this year and why I have them winning seven games. Is Derek Carr the best quarterback in this division, Logan? (sighs) I guess. I don't know, man. I do think it's close between him and Baker, and I I don't mean wow. that facetiously. I think you're out of dude, your board, man. Dude, I think, dude, Carr's, it's Derek Carr, man. Oh, Logan, I don't want to bring up the receipts on previous takes on Derek Carr. I remember the time that you argued he was a top Carr. five quarterback. What, 2016, <laughs> 2017? Like, <laughs> when? Like, no, he's fallen far, but I don't think he's fallen quite as far as you're making it out to be. And I also think that he's clearly a significant upgrade over Andy Dalton. Can we agree on that? Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. So when you're starting from that foundation, I think the weapons here are pretty good. I think it's a good backfield bringing in Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller in the draft, and Kamara is going to be available after his four-game suspension. I think Olave is a strong number one, and we can't expect Michael Thomas to play much at all. If he did play, I would I would really like the weapons here. But I think Juwan Johnson, solid at tight end. Raheed Shahid is a good deep threat. If they don't have Thomas, it's a little bit specialisty in terms of their weapons outside of Olave, but it's solid. The line is fine. I just think this offense is fine everywhere. And it's probably going to be mediocre, maybe slightly above average. Because I think that, listen, Carr definitely was too mistake prone last year. I also think, though, that in this division, he is by far the best pocket passer I think he is the most proven decision maker. We'll see. Bryce Young, I think, is going to be good in that respect. But I don't want to make it seem like Derek Carr is this maniac who's been putting up wild turnover numbers year after year after year. Like, of course, he's had his frustrating moments. He has his limitations. He has never been able to consistently reach into the like top 10 quarterback kind of range, even though there have been moments when people have wanted to put him there. But being average puts him pretty clearly above everybody else in this division to me. Defensively, 
they've turned out three straight top 10 scoring units, but I don't like the trend, as you mentioned. They were 30th in pressure rate last year. They lose Davenport and Onyemata. They use their first two draft picks on defensive linemen with Breesy and Foskey. Unproven, though. This defense was third in passing yards per attempt allowed last year, but I think that was largely because they played a lot of bad quarterbacks. I do think the secondary should be healthier. Lattimore and Marcus May both had some injuries last year. I do still really like Honey Badger, but I agree. The personnel didn't get better to me. It is an aging defense. I think they're going to be mediocre there as well. So I just see a lot of mediocrity. And yeah, they have the quarterback who I trust the most out of a very, very poor selection. But the Falcons to me are just flat out more talented. I have the Saints winning seven games as well. This feels like the low end to me. If Derek Carr is really good, if Michael Thomas is healthy, like maybe they could push for 9 to 10 range. If we see a Kamara resurgence, but I do think it's worth noting how much his efficiency as a runner has dropped off in the last two years, almost a full yard per carry versus what he was at his apex. So I'm not high on the Saints either. I just think you're being a little bit dramatic with your Derek Carr criticism. Like I think he is very, very clearly better than Baker Mayfield. Call me crazy. All right, you're crazy, bro. Give me Baker all day. I, I car burnt me, bro. Cars burnt me before. I'm not getting burnt again. Dude is bringing his emotional baggage into his quarterback rankings, and honestly, I deeply respect it. Okay, so the Panthers are left, Logan. Why do you have them bringing up the rear of the NFC South? They just have a really far way to climb. They were horrible last year, but I really do. I like a lot of the moves that they've made, and I really like Bryce Young. I like Bryce Young a lot. Now, there's one major concern, right? And that's what everybody talked about in the pre-draft process. They brought it up draft night. It's his size. I mean, you saw that one clip, dude. It looked like Bryce Young looks like your little brother, man. You know, I mean, like, I'm not going to dress it up. He looks like your little, hey, man, how you doing? You know, you put your elbow on him. You're hanging out. Bryce is not a big dude, uh, and this is courtesy of NFL.com. No quarterback who has weighed less than 207 pounds has been drafted in the first round since 2003. Young is 5'10", 204 pounds. He goes number one overall, so that is a concern, right? And it's not just because all oh, the Russell Wilson stereotype, oh, he can't see over his offensive lineman. I remember that back in the 2012 NFL draft. That was pretty funny. And it's not, it's, it has way more to do with the physicality and the size of the guys that are going to be hitting him. I mean, just straight up, he's going to be getting hit by 270 to 300 pound men. We saw what happened to Tua, smaller guys like that. It, it's just scary. It, their bodies are just more fragile, right? I'm not saying that we haven't seen someone like this. Uh, the comp for Bryce Young on the high end for him through the pre-draft process was Drew Brees. That's the high end. A remarkably efficient accurate quarterback who's on the smaller end but can just deliver the ball with great anticipation with great accuracy and on a absolute rope that's the high end drew Brees was kind of thick though man i don't want to let that you know get swept under breeze was a thick dude and could take a hit he could also manipulate the pocket so that's the high end i don't want to compare bryce young to that but i really do like his game he processes at a high level he's super accurate and he's a fluid mover I bring up a guy like Russell Wilson. I really like the way Young can evade pressure. He ran a 4-5-240. And this is uh, is another number uh, from college. Uh, He was one of 146 QBs who registered at least 100 dropbacks under pressure. 
He had 26 TDs and six picks under pressure, and he had 8.4 yards per attempt to 6.1 yard per attempt on average to other quarterbacks in collegiate football. Now, granted, that is with a great offensive line. That is with great receiving talent, right? He's playing at Alabama. That's inherently going to be there, but he was great in those situations. Uh, He had 11 TDs and three picks outside of the pocket over the past two seasons, too. So he can create out of structure. He can he can evade pressure. He's super accurate, and I like the way he processes the game. So all that's in his favor. I like Bryce Young as a prospect. It's kind of everything else around him that I don't really love. Uh, the league average offensive line, I like his weapons. I don't love them. Thielen's on the back end. DJ Chark is serviceable. LaVisca Chenault has been okay in a pinch. Uh, they bring in Jonathan Mingo in the second round of the draft. You know, talent's all right. Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Hayden Hurst, they're all kind of middle-of-the-pack guys. Uh, and then the defense is just okay, man. I, I like the secondary. They add Von Bell. I think he's an elite guy. J.C. Horn has been great. Uh, Jeremy Chin and Dante Jackson both returned from injuries last season. They bring in Xavier Woods. This is a talented team, Carson. Like, on the high end, like maybe seven wins? I don't think that's unreasonable for the Carolina Panthers. I like the front seven. Derrick Brown has quietly been one of the best defensive tackles in football for the past few seasons. They bring in Justin Houston. I think him and Brian Burns should be able to put pressure on the quarterback in the middle. Frankie Louvu has been uh, really good the past couple years. Deion Jones is solid. Shaq Thompson. It's cool. The Panthers are trending in the right direction. I think on the high end, seven wins is reasonable. But again, I like Bryce Young a lot. I really do. We have to, I think, you know, I I think we have to set our expectations reasonably. And most rookie quarterbacks struggle a little bit coming in. It's not normally perfect. So despite how much I like Bryce Young, I think we're going to see a couple games where he struggles and where he might, you know, might struggle a little bit just because he's a rookie and where he's not able to make game-changing, game-breaking plays to win them games. I think that's going to come with time. I don't expect that this rookie season. So on the high end, maybe this team wins seven games. Man, I think they're talented, and I like Bryce Young a lot, but I'm going to go with the low end. I think this is about a five-win team. The NFC South is funny because you look at a lot of these teams last year. They all won seven games. And you just think, how did they do that? Because they weren't really good at anything. And the Panthers are one of those teams, I would say. I think that Bryce is certainly the most interesting part of this season for them because I do not see a high ceiling. I agree. Seven wins they could do. I have them going 6-11, and 11, but I could very easily see 5-12. and 12. There's not a lot of upside for this season to me here. And Bryce Young definitely does not weigh 204 pounds, man. I know that that's what he weighed in at. You think he's a buck 90? Combine. Bama had him listed at 194. I would think they would be generous. So I don't know how much water weight that dude was carrying in, but look at him compared to Kyler. Same height. Kyler is listed at three pounds more. Kyler looks at least 15 pounds heavier. So... I don't know. I, I I think that he is slighter than the listing would even suggest. But I think he's pro-ready. And I think that he brings a lot of really positive traits. You mentioned his elusiveness. I love it. I think his ability to not just extend plays outside of the pocket, but manipulate the pocket and avoid pressure while hanging in there, trying to make throws. Really impressive from a young quarterback. I really like his accuracy. I don't know that he has the most elite upside to me 
And sometimes dudes in this archetype can be sold short a little bit because he's a good athlete in terms of his quickness, but obviously doesn't stand out as an athlete. He's small. He's not a arm talent as dynamic as I would say Russell Wilson, certainly as a Kyler Murray. He doesn't have that sort of athleticism either to me, but so much of the quarterback position is making good decisions, making accurate throws, managing the game at a high level. And I think that Bryce projects well. I think he's a very safe number one overall pick, but I definitely think in terms of first overall picks, he's a pretty low upside proposition there. But I expect him to have an impressive rookie year. I think that he will be the best rookie quarterback. And I think his receiving weapons are fine, like Thielen, Chark, Mingo, it seems that they have a good rapport out there in preseason. All those dudes have looked solid. They bring in Miles Sanders as RB1. I think that they can lean on the running game a bit. And that was the foundation of this offense last year, if there was one. But the run game was better than the passing game. And there's just an entire overall here in terms of leadership. Bringing in Frank Reich, bringing in new coordinators. It's going to be an interesting team to track how they progress. And then defensively, I like the Von Bell edition, as you mentioned. I think they're solid all around, but I don't see a lot that they're going to do super well. They were 20th in pressure rate last year outside of Brian Burns. Do they have dudes who can really get after the quarterback? I'm not sure. Again, I see a ton of mediocrity on both sides of the ball. So I have them winning six games. If they were in another division, maybe that would be even fewer, but I do think they're better than the Bucks. I think they'll win a couple games in division, and they have just a favorable schedule overall. They're not going to play a lot of good football teams, but I do not view them as a good football team either. Should I take bets on Baker, dude? What do you want to bet like, on, buddy? Like you, you wanna... Is he going to have 5,000 yards? Right. I'll take the under. You know, you know what's funny, bro? I, I think... Should we do it on, like, game started? Like, do you think Baker gets replaced mid-year by Kyle Trask? God, that would be quite the accomplishment, wouldn't it? What would we set that at? 11 and a half games started for Baker? Is that too high for your boy? For your franchise QB, Logan? Your shining star? Dude, that, that's, that's, that's the one thing I'm worried about, is by getting the starting job, this is fundamental in every any football situation, when you are named the starter... You're also, you know, the first guy who gets pulled. So if he sucks. Yeah, man, let's go. You want to put some tacos on it, man? We go 12 games. Sure thing, buddy. A thrilling bet. How many games will Baker Mayfield start? Or we can or we can do a yardage bet. We could go 4K. 4K! Under. Under. Give me the under. If Baker... Okay, this is contingent on Baker starting 17 games. I'm taking the over. Oh. Well, you didn't establish that in the final. What, what is previously. that? Okay, I say... I say contingent on 17 games. I'm going 4K. All right. I don't think he's going to play. I'll go 16. I'll go 16. All right. Deal. This bet may be voided because of the language in the contract, but I love how all in you are on Baker, man. It's super weird, and it doesn't make sense to me, but I love it. There you have it, everybody. Couple more divisions down, only a couple more to go as we get ready for this NFL season that is creeping up on us so if you enjoyed this show there is plenty more nerd such content out there you can subscribe to the volume youtube page to get our full shows with video you can listen to the podcast across audio platforms and you can follow us on tiktok at nerd sesh where we are most prolific with the trivia content 
We also post clips from our show there as on Instagram at NerdSesh and Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can join our Discord through our link tree that is in the bio of all of our social media channels. You can also buy our merch. We've got the NerdSesh flags behind us. Here's a NerdSesh hat. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. You can check all of that out at thevolume.com, also through our link tree. And if you want, you can get something from us on Cameo. Personalized messages, whatever you guys are feeling, we're there and would be happy to do anything. Not anything, Logan, you sicko, but uh, what is appropriate. So, with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.